BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. You just can't miss Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Have you ever wondered why you're not making a podcast? Maybe because you think it's too hard. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I mean, you're immediately in the podcast game. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So right now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Just go to A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M and join me on Anchor. Broadcasting from the heart of Cascadia and the edge of the world, welcome to Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry. Thank you for listening to this bonus show. It's Thursday, July 2nd, 2020, and tonight, a conversation with Colin Frangicetto, a painter, podcast host, producer for The Cosmic Nod, and a guitarist for the band Circa Survive. Colin is also an explorer of consciousness and the strange, and what you will hear was recorded just last night, live with our Patreon contributors, who also chime in with their own experiences. We talk about sound as a modality for the strange and metaphysical, familial relationships with paranormal activity, and the importance of remembering yourself through altered states of consciousness. That's tonight, and it's next on Night Drift by Yuval.
Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of folks that I've talked to that are friends that are involved in the esoteric and exploration of consciousness have been experiencing incredible dream states Mm. and going on all sorts of adventures and making discoveries within the dreamscapes that have influenced or told them something about their own journey that they essentially had to stop dead in their tracks. Is that true for you as it is for me or... Mm. You know, I guess I'll, I'll give that a, a a yes and a no, because it's mm. been for me, I think I spent a lot of time, at least in the beginning parts of this, uh, you know, the pandemic shelter in place situation, a lot of time dealing with um, issues with sleeping. And, and, and then when I was sleeping, I was having a lot of intense anxiety dreams and, mm. and, and nightmares, essentially. Um, that has sort of transitioned. And I think lately I have been having some more interesting um, borderline lucid dreams where mm. I am sort of waking up with uh, I don't know if it's direct messaging or anything like that. It, it kind of feels a little more abstract to me, but I, I had a few uh, pretty intense experiences right before this all kicked off. And mm. one of those was I had a, um, headed a, a guided MDMA session mm. where I wound up essentially interacting with what I was perceiving either as my, some kind of weird projected version of a higher self or at the time I was perceiving it as an angelic entity that I had uh, encountered under ayahuasca. It was like a continuation of sorts. And there was just a lot of information that came through in there that wound up um, just feeling very applicable to me um, as things started to unravel over the next month. So um, lately I've been having these dreams where I'm, I'm talking to them again and mm -hmm. it's been, um, I don't know if I am doing that in an effort to comfort myself or if it's truly that there is this connection with, with this, um, angelic entity who, who feels like I need to understand and be aware of its presence and it'll come through in dreams. It'll come through in meditative states. It'll come through in moments where I'm actually feeling like, um, intense overwhelm. So lately I have been trying to be more aware of that presence and be more, you know, take my head out of the momentary angst and, anxiety that is when I'm just completely absorbed in the news cycle essentially um, and zoom out and then zoom back in and really kind of use it as this pillar of uh, of strength and something that I can help me get through this in a way um, that's less uh, um, yeah less paralyzing I guess you could say yeah yeah it's a good way to put it. And honestly, you were one of the first people I wanted to reach out to do something like this with because our past conversation that we've had uh, at your place there in your studio, mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about how easy it has been for you to 
find the ability to be completely engrossed by media, uh, politics, uh, activism, Mm-hmm. And how that for a period of time, you know, that was a main hurdle to try to get through, which essentially may have opened up some doors to you into this space of exploring consciousness and your relationship to it. Can you speak a little bit about that first time you felt overwhelmed in this material and then and then sort of what you did to kind of break through that? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all... I, it's interesting. I start getting these moments of hindsight while I'm in the current moment of crisis. Mm, and, of course. and it's really interesting. Um, I think because I created more awareness of that whole dynamic that you just described and the journey through to being able to kind of do that same thing I just described, the zoom in, zoom out mechanism. Um, because the last thing I ever wanted to do was kind of just drift into, um, spiritual bypassing and, and, uh, this place where you start to just, uh, <laughs> give yourself license to not care, uh, to not be invested in the liberation of other people, to not be invested in activism. And you're just like, you know, you come up with this really, um, intricate mental gymnastics move where you're like, well, that's just not really important. If I, if I just focus on going inward, then that's all that matters. And I don't have to pay attention to any of that. And I think so, so really what that journey was that we talked about here was me finding a way to maintain and sustain without burning out, without without bypassing with keeping uh you know keeping uh an activist mindset but not one that's attached to media cycles you know um and and I'm still susceptible to it I think we all are and you know even even this latest kind of like uproar as as everyone started this collective sort of howl I couldn't help but absolutely join in and increase my volume and i felt like and i'm still doing this um and i think that there's nothing wrong with it i think that actually it's really important to to um engage in this because i think we're we're at a crucial point we're at like an influx right now and as soon as it becomes mainstream to talk about these things while there is the inevitable eye roll from some people, because we're, we're just in this culture of um, consumption. So we get bored sure. of things. We, we get over things really quickly. People like to say, oh, that's just a phase. Or, um, you know, uh, I think I chuckle a little bit when I think about people who are critical of like, say, my band, for instance, um, like a new fan could stumble on our Instagram. This actually happened recently. Stumble on our Instagram, see us speaking out about social justice issues and say that we're just trying to win over new fans because that's mm. the end thing to do right now. And it's like, Oh, well you must be new. Right. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've been around for 16 years and this has been a thing that's been important to us for a long time, but it's not something that you ever hit a peak of. It's part of being a human. And I think f- for myself, um, seeing that, the more you commit to it 
in the long term. And, and it's really just about awareness. That's what it is. It's being aware of humans that don't share the same exact life experience as you. Like we often just, we, we don't see them the same as we see people who have the same experience as us or something close. Right. Mm. And I think it's as simple as, as just opening your awareness to that and being invested in the protection of fellow human beings, being invested in the liberation of oppressed people to be, you know, cause if someone else is oppressed, I feel like I am oppressed. And I feel like it, the more we took that attitude in general, the we'd be in a much better place. Um, I don't think we'll ever completely solve any of these issues, but um, so for myself, really, it's just about um, recognizing that one thing doesn't cancel out the other. Right. You know, yeah. that's really, I mean, I could talk about this endlessly and <laughs> especially this one question, we could burn out the whole hour on me just like, blah, like, but that's essentially the simplicity of it is one thing doesn't cancel out the other. You don't have to be, you know, when we got on here today, I, I said to you, like, I want to just go to outer space Just take me to outer space right now. Right. And that's a good thing to feel. And that's a good thing to engage in as long as you come back, as long as you come back and recognize that right now you're a human having a human experience. Right. And these are human matters. Yeah. Right? There's still so much to learn in outer space. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> People talk about it like perhaps that they're, you, you know, you're going on some sort of pleasure spree, but right. there really is so much information and insight to take in, in addition Absolutely. to the entertainment value of it. You know, what were you doing? the moment you realized you were deeply immersed in the esoteric and the unknown? I mean, this goes all the way back to, you know, my very early teens, you know, um, I, my first really mystical experiences were shared dreams with my brother, where we both had dreams that, we had been abducted and um, we didn't really discuss this actually until adulthood. Uh, but I, wow. we, we, we kind of traced back these, these things where we would talk about things without really letting each other know that we had had those experiences. Like we would discuss really? the creatures or we would discuss like the craft or whatever. And we talk about, Oh, the thing that, comes into the backyard or you know just like these weird things and um we it's it's weird because even to this day we we don't really quite know how to explain any of it it's just that we were having these these dreams at the same time and we would i think probably a lot of siblings share this where you have an instinctive reaction uh that's very similar to mm. the other and you recognize that in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree <laughs> and, with that hundred percent. You know, yeah. And, and so throughout our life, we started having these types of, um, we started having these types of, uh, just recognizing reactions to movies and, and stories and, and just, uh, phenomena. Like we would react in the same way as if we had experienced similar things. And then, you know, much, much later on, we we talked about this one dream that was just literally 
like beat by beat by beat like the same and uh yeah it was just literally like both of us like almost zombified walking down the steps um from our bedrooms walking down into the living room with like just beaming light coming through the shades of like the back the back door of the deck and um and both of us just sort of like going into the light or going into that uh like sliding glass door and it was like that but then hard cut to like us just in the living room again and you know um and then waking up and uh it was um i i remember those things as just sticking out as or or at least I remember that instance as just being this thing that I thought was weird before I knew that he had the same one anyway. It didn't like, it was just a weird dream, you know? Well, let let me ask you this. And I, and I'm sure a lot of folks that are listening or watching right now are thinking the same thing. Are you sure that was a dream? (laughs) No, not at all. You know, and um, ever since I've, I've had so many experiences that were that I think my, at least my conscious mind decides was a dream, but then I'll have a moment of, was it though? You know, and especially once I, I think once I uh, took LSD for the first time at 14 is when the lines got really blurred. And, and I am, I hesitate to say that at times because I think there's so much stigma around around psychedelics and there's so much stigma around you know mind altering chemicals and I don't wish to stigmatize anything and I definitely don't wish for people to think oh well of course the lines were blurred you you dropped acid <laughs> you know um and I get that I, I get that, that that's sort of the normal reaction but I think for myself what it really showed me was just how reality is this experience and it's subjective and that there there are just going to be things that you can't explain through quote-unquote logic quote-unquote science and for myself as a i would say my adult journey in challenging what is real what is possible truly began with that first bladder hit <laughs> uh because right. um it, it 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 was only a few years prior that i was still make believing right that i was still mm-hmm. in this world where i could make what was in my mind real very easily you know you have that ability as a kid um it's there but then you lose it at some point mm. right i think i lost it just within that couple years span between 14 and maybe like 10 11 Mm. right so i was drifting into this world where you know i'm thinking about getting a job and 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 girlfriends and you know can't wait to drive and you know you're not really thinking about like the unseen and like uh you know it's a uh, lot of like real primal stuff that you're working on through that yeah exactly yeah and scaring each other right like that's maybe where it verges is you touch those unknown spaces when you're in the forest with your friends and you're you're terrifying each other sure 
Yeah, exactly. And and there was even instances of that as well. Um, yeah, but again, base, it. like base level, like you were saying, even mm-hmm. that, tapping into fear, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that in a lot of ways that my, the doors that were opened with, with psychedelics uh, at that time, they just stayed open and, Mm. and in a, in a, you know, really in a very literal sense, psychedelics do increase openness, the quality of openness in people to, and I think that that in itself is probably a quality that you would see not just with people that use psychedelics, but with people who have paranormal experiences in general, probably have a higher degree of openness. And um, when they don't, that's probably when you see some of the problems occur where it's like, you know, I, I've sort of been able to allow myself, as we've spoken about, right, when we did the, the interview for your show, um, I felt very lucky that I was able to hold a disposition that wasn't binary. I was able to hold a position that was non-dual and that I was able to sit with one foot in, okay, I understand that this is consensus reality, but I also have this other foot in this, who knows what this is, Yeah, this uh, hyper color swirl of infinite possibility and mm. entities and, you know, um, all kinds of non-physical things that I can't quite explain. And I accept that as a possibility. Therefore, I am not going to put myself into a mental hospital. Um, you know, so that, right. um, I don't know, I digress. I don't know, am I going in the right place? Here? No, I, <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying there. I mean, you, you reach a certain point, especially as an adolescent, where you are driven by different things. And I think that is a lot of the times, whether that is through artistic creation or freedom of expression or even the experience of maybe knowing yourself more intimately, innately, you know, that's where we lose ourselves or we can. And I think what you're expressing is that you were able to find like sort of a hack or a back door in order to not only just remember yourself, but tap into something much broader trying to form you in different, more mysterious ways. Mm. Yeah. And you know what is really interesting and sort of ironic that I think about often is that the theme uh, of that first LSD experience, you know, it was like, man, it was like 12, 12 hours long. It was really, really long. Very, very powerful experience, especially for a little 14 year old, you know, and, but it was myself and three other friends and instantly like i'm saying like within within a couple minutes of of actually feeling the you know the lsd which is probably about 45 minutes in or so Mm. as soon as it started coming on the four of us split into two separate camps the holy shit magic is real camp and the it's just a drug man camp. Mm. And I just think that that's so fascinating that that believer skeptic um, divide was like instant. And that theme is just 
so pervasive in these types of experiences, you know? Um, so yeah, when I think about that, that's one of the first things that comes to mind is how I was all the way in the holy shit, magic is real camp. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Being in that camp, how did that affect you personality-wise? And how did you sort of use that to remember yourself through all of this art that you produce? I think that... Um, I love the the phrase that you're using, remembering yourself, because that is truly what that experience felt like. And that is what mm. the overwhelming sensation that I get, not only in psychedelic experiences, but in um, the more mystical paranormal experiences that I've had in my life. I haven't had many truly terrifying um, myst mystical paranormal experiences. Most of mine have been more in the mysterious or blissful angelic um, realm. So I would consider myself sort of lucky in that way because I know a lot of people aren't always in that, in that category um, with the exception of some of the stuff when I was very young um, that some of that stuff. And, and I like think when I've you were abducted, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not scary. Yeah. Um, well, luckily, I don't remember anything super, um, you know, no detailed experience of, of, of being held captive or or and many of the things that I've read um, over the years, you know, not not a lot of it really triggered anything for me. So I think um, if I did have an abduction experience that I think maybe I, I was just lucky and I just Either that or they just used the really, really good stuff when they when they blanked it out of my mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think the whole remembering yourself thing, th that's that's what psychedelics have done for me. That's that's what all all of this stuff is, is remembering the place that I was before, before this and which feels like infinite and eternal. And yeah. um, what that has done for me as far as like being an artist and my personality, I think it's given me, and I, you know what, I also don't want to shortchange my parents, right? For sort of giving me this nurturing, loving disposition um, very early. And I think that, the combination of all these factors and then having these experiences where I was like, magic is real. It truly made me feel like I could bend reality uh, ah. and, and, and will things and, and kind of the way that you and I have discussed the magic of, of the creative path and how there are just undoubtedly these times where you have to feel like there's a hidden hand helping <laughs> and so so for me it's been an opening up to the possibility of that both simultaneously accepting the possibility that there is a hidden hand helping me as well as maybe i'm controlling all of it yeah. <laughs> and and like i think accepting the possibility of either of those things um and not committing to either one is a place of high potent magic. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Uh, non dualism again there. 
there's a third thing created with that, mm-hmm. as my friend Tim Rothschild would say, who was supposed to join us tonight, but looks like he fell asleep. It was going to be a nice little surprise for everyone <laughs> who's going to stop by. But Timbo is just not ready, not ready for the radio yet. Anyone have you met Tim before? No, I Colin. haven't. No. no, you'll love him. You'll love him. Um, you know, paranormal, having these experiences, diving deep into this material, being boots on the ground, creating these documentaries with folks, that helped me remember myself. That mm. brought me into that place of, you know, enough connection happens through you and something on the other side of that veil, seemingly, that you can't ignore. And a little bit later, I want to talk to you about syncs, synchronicity, <laughs> okay. because these are one of the tools, I think, that are used to help us remember ourselves and maybe even our place in all of this. I did want to go to the chat real quick. Uh, both Amy and Kimberly are uh, writing down some great stories, and I don't I can't read them uh, because they're very detailed, but uh, if you want to respond in chat, Kimberly and Amy, I'd like to bring you guys on in in a little bit to tell some of these stories because they look really great if I'm kind of speed reading through them. Cool. Amy, Amy is down. All right. I will bring you guys on in a second here. But first, you know, one of the things that we wanted to talk about tonight too was other forms of how magic is manifested in the world and how it's presented to us. Hmm. And sound is one of these things. And I think that's what's really interesting about you as someone who is immersed as much as you are in the world of music and sound and production. Like myself, my, my world is now wrapped around sound to the degree where physical interaction or video chats with folks can be a little bit unnerving because there's kind of a safety in sound and there's an intimacy that I think brings us closer to emotionality and connection faster than any other of our senses. Mm -hmm. Completely my feeling. Um, But if, you know, it seems like if it's, if sound is some sort of bridge that sort of connects consensus reality to the unknown, you know, why do you think that is? Why do you think it has this effect to be able to do it sort of so quickly and so innately? Well, so this is, you know, I've definitely spent a lot of time thinking about this sort of thing. And and I hate to be that guy that that constantly brings it back to psychedelics. But, (laughs) But I feel like these are lessons that I've, that I've been taught through these experiences. And one of the things that you go through, um, is, is synesthesia. And and so that's a combination of senses and senses getting sort of, um, you know, the wires crossed a little bit, you know, you can smell sounds and hear colors and, and that sort of thing. And so I guess when I think about sound, um, there's an irony in, in, in what I'm even saying when I say that, mm. because I think sound is thought and I think everything is thought. And I think that, um, in general, that all of the senses allow, um, a, an experience of, of thought <laughs> and overwhelmingly 
sound is just a way that I think um, that we're able to we're able to change emotion and we're able to change uh, perception through sound. And mm -hmm. it's just a it's almost it's almost like a chemical in that way because it it's so quick it's visceral it's a very fast acting uh route but i think mm -hmm. that um but i think that i have to believe that there's something bigger happening than just sound because when i think about people who can't actually hear mm -hmm. i do believe that there is a level uh th there's a level of perception that they can have that will be the equivalent of sound for them. And yeah. so sound is just something that I think we've, we've put a word to, you know, sound. Um, but ultimately I just think it's more of a, um, a vehicle for thought and um, manifestation of, of this reality, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was very confusing and true. Yeah, no, no, it makes <laughs> sense. It makes sense. And those are great points. There was this quote I pulled. It's, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Uh, yes. That was from Tesla. Mm. So vibration frequency is and so vibration. key. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, some of my most powerful and, you know, earth-shaking experiences have been driven by sound and driven um, by experiences at, at a minimum partnered with sound um, and vision. Um, so, I mean, what, what, what has you fascinated about it? What has you sort of um, honing in on, on sound magic? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, is I think the more time that I sit sort of intimately with sound as um, as a way to communicate, as a way to tell stories solely. Uh, being sort of trained in the visual arts and having so much of my focus sort of within my mind and my creative spirit, thinking in terms of what we can see. Uh, I noticed that for the most part, the majority of Western culture is also on that same page, is mm -hmm. that we want to see it visualize right and we place some sort of premium on being able to see things you know the truth sort of seemingly is within the eye of the beholder but what about sound i feel like it's forgotten in some way and so that's what's interesting to me and thinking about all the ways that it's used as a tool within sort of the metaphysical and the paranormal i started like listing out some ways that it displays within the broad spectrum of the paranormal space. And you've got electronic voice phenomenon, disembodied voices, spirit tapping, crystal, uh, crystal bowl healing, uh, frequency healing through devices, uh, skyquakes, right? Like these sounds, these mysterious sounds that come from the sky that no one's what they are. Sounds of hell from inner earth, uh, space signals, right? SETI is picking up on these things and they're, mm -hmm endlessly new and diverse and i posted even on facebook this latest one they found was actually a rhythm uh 
it goes on and on and on. It's an entire page of a notebook with all the ways that sound seemingly works like synchronicity, mm-hmm. works like specters, works like mental imagery or dreams to communicate something much deeper to us if we can only listen. Mm. Yeah, I mean what is a spell right i mean when you i mean that's literally just sound uh a voice using sound to you know manifest something yeah and so sound is really powerful and when we're when we're talking about it the first thing i think about is being being in peru drinking ayahuasca and and the shaman singing the ikaros and i was just absolutely that was the first time that i truly felt like oh like they are truly singing the world into existence like that is how it felt that's how it seemed and every single thing that came out of them i was seeing this visualized vibrational pulse coming through it And it just kept making me think of all the things that keep our world together that are unseen and, Mm. and, you know, not just, not just the ones that are heard, but literally oxygen, (laughs) radio waves, you know, there's so much stuff that's happening. An invisible world. Yeah. Yes, truly. So, so sound is a part of that and obviously you can see sound in in waveform when you record it and you can see vibrational effects but there is something there that i think in a lot of ways represents an un an un uh you know an unmined field there's a really like i think we don't quite truly understand the power and significance of it More with Colin, and we go to open lines with patrons right after this on Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. Follow Euphemet on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
Drifting into the night, this is Jim Perry. You are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. Yeah, it's interesting. We keep circling back to this idea of remembering. And you speak of your experience while in ayahuasca ceremony mm-hmm. and talk about an ancient tradition and think about what the ancients may have possessed in terms of their knowledge, maybe. Uh, in terms of using sound as a tool for all sorts of things, uh, using vibration and frequency as a as a tool to potentially construct these uh, great monuments that we still can't figure out how it's done. Uh, there's a lot of ideas about sound being instrumental to curing illness and that it's information that once unlocked by modern people is sort of shut in a corner somewhere for no one to discover. So right. this idea of sound being much more profound is, yeah, it's, it's resonating. Let's just say that it's resonating <laughs> in, in a great degree. Um, let's, uh, let's go over here to the chat real quick. And uh, Amy, if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and bring you on. Okay. Can you hear me? Hi, okay. Amy. Where, yeah. are you, where, where are you from? I am from Columbia, Missouri. Oh, fantastic. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Did you come over from the Euphemet Patreon or one of Colin's channels? Uh, from Euphemet. Nice. Thank you so much for being a patron. Really, really, really appreciate it. Seriously. <laughs> your support is, yeah, crazy appreciated. Thank you. Um, your story... Over here, I only saw, I only picked up words, like a few oh, words yeah. here there, but it looked, it sounded awesome. So please, um, yeah, please share with us. Uh, yeah, well, Kimberly had, sh- had uh, brought up um, having, I mean, I guess now this is like from like way earlier in the conversation, but right. having no experiences with, uh, with her brother and like, just kind of, we were just talking about like siblings having similar um experiences i guess um kind of like colin was talking about like you know having those abduction dreams or whatever Mm -hmm. um so we were kind of discussing that and um just kind of our own personal experiences i don't know that we got super deep into any any of it but um but i'd kind of brought up the point that like um i think that's pretty common for siblings to have weird experiences together and like to almost kind of just accept it as like yeah we just that's just something that happened and right whether you think it's like a dream or (laughs) I mean um I didn't I didn't really I don't think I shared anything specific but I know that like um I specifically have been talking about it with my friend like last week that my brother and I had 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 seen a we now say that we saw a ghost, but um, at this place we were staying at when we were kids, but we just saw this person like on these, we were at some kind of like big mansion thing and my parents were touring the house and we stayed outside because we were so creeped out. So we mm. stayed outside and we we're just walking around the grounds and we just felt it was just, the whole vibe there was super creepy, like and we couldn't figure out why but there was nothing there for us to really like feel weirded out about. And it was a beautiful day outside and like nothing about the day was strange, except we were just like, Oh, there's just something weird about it. And I mean, we were too young to really understand like discussing it as, you know, as we would now, but 
um, we just kind of collectively decided that <laughs> we were both weirded out. And then we ended up seeing this person on like, I don't know, probably like 50 yards away. And there's just this older man just mowing the lawn, but we couldn't hear the mowing. We just saw him mowing the lawn and we kind of looked at each other like, wow, is that, are we just seeing, like, we were so confused. We we're like, who is that? And I mean, I don't know, I was probably like eight and he was six, so we just didn't really say anything. And then after we kind of like walked away a little bit further towards the house away from this man, and then we kind of decided, okay, we're not gonna go back in the mansion. <laughs> so we just turned back around to go back out in the yard and this man was gone. And we just looked at each other like, there was a man there, right? And he said, yeah. And then we just moved on, like we just moved on with our lives and just didn't even think about it twice. And then only like maybe a year ago, I mean, I'm 28 now, <laughs> and we kind of brought it up. I was like, do you remember seeing that man on that lawn and he was mowing? And she said, that was a ghost. <laughs> okay. okay, I just wanted to check 15 or so years later, like hey, it was right. that. We saw that, right? And I mean, only recently, like, I mean, actually, like, once I got into your podcast, Jim, um, I started thinking about all of this, all these experiences I've had growing up. I mean, like, as a, as a kid, I had all kinds of weird experiences, but I only got into your podcast after I'd had, like, a series of paranormal experiences that, like, were so, I don't know, that was the other thing I think Kim says, um, that like it almost like as an adult it takes a little bit more evidence for you to really like to kind of think about things more openly because like when you're a kid I think you just you're already ready to imagine anything believe anything and I think your mind is just more open yeah. and as you get older you know you kind of start closing yourself off to a lot of stuff and it's harder to think about it as an adult or it's easier to kind of put it in the I don't want to worry about that yeah. you know kind of setting things aside and so I feel like um yeah just I think that like the younger you are the easier it is to have those experiences and yeah most of what we talked about was having experiences with our siblings and I think a lot of other people in the comments as well have brought up like yeah sibling it's kind of weird how that works but I think yeah. there's something to it yeah, I think so too. I mean, there's a theme even within the Euphemet work of discovering family units that experience the same thing or that are on yeah. the same wave, same wavelength. And even within my own family structure, this connection between my grandmother and my mom, uh, this strange psychic-like connection where they can talk to each other and in other realms, really, and um, how that how that I think even sort of manifests with friendship and partnerships. Uh, how often do we hear like, oh, it's like we don't even have to talk to each other. They just are reading my mind and we know exactly what to do. I mean, I think there is some sort of communication. Maybe it is frequency. Maybe it is vibrational that we feel, right? That also goes to these places that we experience. Sometimes it's the most like sort of mundane that feels scary because that feels also the most real it's sort of like well this is consistent with consistent reality and the guy yeah of course there's a guy mowing the lawn but something is off and you can't quite understand what it is but you're feeling into this 
this process of dissemination of information. And something's just off. Something's, and, and those senses, I think, are important. And they're fundamental to not only us maintaining like sort of our sovereignty as people in society now, but also within our conversation of what else could be out there. And Colin, I think that's where you would maybe chime in with this idea that, you know, hallucinogens were able to, psychedelics were able to essentially help you navigate those corridors in a way that without maybe would have been a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I I think in general, the blessing was truly the openness, the, the willingness to acknowledge that I couldn't possibly know all of the things that exist in this world and, and, and whatever other worlds may be colliding with this one. (laughs) And (laughs) I think that, uh, you know, just, just the humbleness that those experiences sort of, you know, they, they bring on a sense of humility when it comes to your knowledge, you know, and it shows you not only do you know more than, than you give yourself credit for, but you also know a whole lot less than you could ever imagine. <laughs> you know, you it's like a paradox. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to just say, you know, I think, um, so I was fascinated by the abduction phenomenon and, and, um, and uh, in general, the, the paranormal for, for years ever since I could, you know, basically from those dreams all the way into now. And I wrote a paper in college about basically connecting the alien abduction uh, experience with sleep paralysis with DMT experience. So connecting Mm. all of these um, and showing how they all overlap in one way or the other. When I was doing research on that paper, I read a book called The Threat by David M. Jacobs, and it was a, a, a a whole bunch of case studies on alien abductions and it is absolutely extremely in extremely high numbers that they run in the family and especially among yeah. siblings absolutely so that was sort of stunning to to realize that and uh i think that was probably when i started asking my brother a lot of questions <laughs> yeah absolutely i have a by the way before we go I just realized that I have one of the most amazing stories when it comes to sound and this whole thing that we're talking about. And I'm in no hurry to, to go or anything. But I just, I just, I'm just letting <laughs> you're, you know. You're, you're holding out. You know, okay. Yeah. We, I'm just letting we, you know I have to get to that story. At some okay. Point. Yeah. I appreciate that very much. Uh, I want to sort of go to open lines now as well. If there's anyone in the chat right now that wants to join the conversation, thank you for doing that. Amy, I appreciate that. Hey, Sophia. Hello. How are you? I just where, want to say, I'm where great. You, where, where are you? Oh, very good. Where are you calling from? So, um, I'm from Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Yeah, cool. <laughs> that's where I. Newtown. That's where I'm from. Which is some. I come from the Circa Patreon, but uh, fantastic. I thought someone who's very new to you know learning about all of what's been being talked about. I think it's just very. I just want to mention it's very interesting to hear all these things that's being said and what was being said about sound. And I feel like as someone who's not very connected spiritually to, to much, the only instances I can really relate to is 
through sound and through experiences in, in, in music. And I grew up kind of with my, my dad as a musician. So growing up with music has always been something so impactful to me. And I feel that just whenever there's so much sound, you, you feel it in you. That's the only way I can almost relate to what's being talked about. So I just like the way that you guys speak about these things. It's just very interesting to someone who doesn't know much about it all. So that's all I really wanted to mention. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for adding that to the conversation. I mean, again, I think, look at it like that sounds sort of doing its job, right, Colin? It's, it's, it's acting as a tool. It's acting as a conduit to understand something much more deeper, or at least connect us to that feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying about, um, you mentioned like just before I raised the hand about, you know, not knowing what you believe in. And I can relate to that in, in so many levels. And I thought that was a really great way to put it. And just keeping your your mind open to all the possibilities of what other people have experienced and what they believe in. And I think that's really important to always keep in mind. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sophia. Of course. And uh, yeah, if, you, if you're interested in checking out Euphemet, you can just find us on every RSS feed. Uh, yeah. And uh, Colin, we actually did a feature and uh, it's being produced right now. It's being edited. It was the last time I saw another person's face besides my wife. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was great. So thank you so much, Sophia. I appreciate it. Of course. Uh, we're going to go now to uh, Tony Snark, who's asked to join the conversation. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hi, Tony. Oh, hey, how's it going? Really um, I just wanted... where, where are you calling from real quick? Oh, I'm from the, calling from the East Bay. Um, sorry, I'm from California. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and I came here through Colin's promo on the Discord. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I just wanted to share two quick like stories that came to mind when you guys were talking. Um, as kids, um, I'm an identical twin, and... Um, as a kid, I don't know if it was, it's a memory or like a reoccurring dream, but, um, I would have this, I have this memory or dream vision of, um, sleeping in like in a car with my sibling and, um, my dad coming to get us like out of the car. And then my sibling and I being like, wait, you're not our dad. My dad's like shorter than you. He's chubbier than you, but it looked like my dad, but just the features were a little bit different, right? And uh, my dad plays soccer. So, like, he would, um, since we were, like, babies, he would always take us to his games and stuff. And just, so, like, we would sometimes be asleep in the car, which was, like, a normal thing, right? Um, and then as teenagers, we were discussing this with my dad. Um, or I would, like, we brought it up somehow, and we realized that we had the same dream or same memory. And we are like, that's really weird. Like, and when we were explaining it to my dad, he was like, well, actually, I have a, or I had a cousin who got killed when we were like 23. And he actually looked a lot like me, except he was taller and skinnier. And we were like, wait, what? So like, it's just like, yeah, it's like this really weird, like, yeah. So um, when that happened, we're like, okay, so were we dreaming about this dude or somehow... It was just, and um, we just knew of this person that looked like my dad, but was taller and skinnier than him. So then that happened. But um, yeah, so that's just like one instance of like a situation that happened between like siblings and stuff. Um, 
And then another thing too, that is really, that happens often is like, well, we don't live together right now currently, but when we would live together and when we were younger, like I could be in one room, like singing a song in my head. And then she would be in another room and like continue singing the song out loud from where I left off in my head. <laughs> so like, Whoa. yeah. So like, and that still happens too. And sometimes that even happens with like my sister and stuff too. I'm like, like I'll sing the song out loud and I'll be like, were you just singing that? And she's like, no, but like, not, I mean, yeah, but like not out loud. And I was like, oh, okay, well I heard it. So whatever. And like, Holy shit. yeah. So like, that's, that's a pretty frequent thing that happens. Like, which is a weird, uh, yeah. Paranormal, I guess, if you want to call it. But yeah. I you, just start, to say, you start to wonder what else people can pick up from you, right? right? right, right. Like, should yeah. I be a little more guarded with what <laughs> I'm thinking in this position? Yeah. Right. right. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. I really yeah, appreciate no problem. it. Yeah, yeah, thanks for joining it's, us. It, yeah, thanks for uh, doing this. It's really interesting to to you know listen into and check out. Cheers. It's so good thank to hear so from much. you. Thanks, Colin. <laughs> Bye. See ya. So, Colin, before before we end uh, this this party, yeah. please share this story that okay. you teased. I think this is a. Uh, it's so wild actually that that we wound up centering around this concept because this is probably the most recent paranormal thing that has happened to me and and it is a doozy so okay <laughs> all right <laughs> okay so i'll set this up for you um i my band we we work with the same visual artist every single record okay so i've had uh this friendship with this artist we we became friends through this he was a stranger to me when we first started working together but probably around you know about two or three years of knowing each other we started becoming really good friends and he became sort of a mentor for me and helped me a lot with visual art his name's Esau Andrews and so we we um we played, he did a retrospective of his art. It was like a new art show, but also a retrospective, a mid-career retrospective. And he did it in his hometown in in Arizona, um, just outside of Phoenix. And this was last year, um, or actually this was um, late 2019. And and so we, we played, uh, we played his, uh, we played his thing. We we agreed to play it anyway. We were in town on tour and we go to this art museum to play this sort of like stripped down show where we're going to play on electric drum or electronic drum pads and kind of a sure. chilled out uh, electric guitars, but plugged in and all that stuff. Yeah. So we're getting ready to perform. It's the place is at capacity. It's, it holds like uh, three to 400 people. I forget, but it's crammed and it's in the middle of the summer and um so we were we're all in there and we're just about to go on and Esau comes up to the microphone and he's like thanks everybody for coming i just want to say you know um you know thank you so much to the band all right and now i just want to introduce and then as he's ready to introduce us all the power goes out and just right now what i didn't tell you was that Esau's mother had passed away a few weeks prior to this uh, to this thing happening. Oh wow! And um, it was kind of this huge deal and this weird 
uh, period of closure for him where he was kind of wrapping up this period of his, of his, of his uh, art career. Mm. And he had this long kind of estranged relationship with his family where, you know, and he talks about this openly. So I'm not, you know, violating anything by saying this, but he, you know, like he's got a pretty big art career and his family wasn't really involved. They didn't really pay attention to it. They didn't, they've never seen any of his artwork in person before this, any of that. Hmm. So it was kind of this large degree of closure. Then she passes away. Then we're having this closing party for this exhibition and we're playing and the power goes out. And right after, so, so essentially, uh, we played a stripped down set with acoustic guitars, had everyone in the room put their light on with their cell phone. And we played in the dark, you know, for a couple of songs, everyone sang no amplification. It was beautiful. But afterwards I see Esau's sister talking to him and sort of like frantically, like telling him all this stuff. So I didn't know what all that was about until I had him on my podcast. Um, And this was months and months later. And he starts telling me the story of how when that happened, his sister came up to him and was like, oh, my God, it's mom. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, listen, the I was there in the house when she passed. When she passed away, all the power went out. And it happened on the entire oh block, right? Gosh. And and so Isel's just like... <sighs> really like uh i don't okay like uh, that's really weird that's really weird and uh so he's telling me this story on the podcast and we're like over skype and all of a sudden (laughs) like basically i'm like yeah i mean have you have you had many other experiences like that and as i say that it goes like the connection gets all insane and breaks apart and we're both like hello hello what huh huh are you there uh and we're like we're both freaking out like can you hear me hey i don't know just what happened we we got all this weird noise interference and i was like dude i think it just happened again i don't know what the hell that was that's never happened to me before it was really strange the everything's froze and all the audio went nuts so I was like, yeah, you think that might have been, he's like, yeah, I mean, you know, things happen. I don't know. So months and months go by, you know, that was in October when we talked and obviously the shit has hit the fan. I'm like way behind on podcast editing, all this shit. I'm starting to edit his podcast in the middle of the pandemic. Right. And (laughs) what I realized as I'm listening back to that interview was that was the first day that my computer froze and did this weird thing. And then after that, it continued to happen, right? And it escalated to the point where I had to get a new computer during a pandemic because my computer started just fritzing out and it was freezing all the time. But I realized as I was I was editing this this podcast, like, oh, that was the initial one. That was the first time it ever happened. And it happened in that super fucking weird spot. Wow. That is really strange. So as I'm realizing all this and I'm editing on my brand new computer, I go to do an overdub and I hit record. You know, I separated the spot in the in the interview, moved it, and I start trying to record a at this point in the interview, you know, our computers froze or whatever. Right, right. Spinning 
wheel of death <laughs> as I'm recording in this spot on my brand new computer. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I, I was so freaked out by it, actually, that I started videotaping it, like, with my phone. Like, I start filming it. Cause I, oh, yeah. And then I sent it to him. I'm like, dude, this is seriously happening right now. Like, what yeah. the hell? And he's like, whoa. Like, oh, my God. I laughed it off. And I was like, well, that's a really crazy coincidence, right? And then the next day, basically, I, I, I laughed it off. I had to restart my whole computer. Yeah. And I was done for the day at that point. I was like, I'm done. The next day, I, I convinced myself, this is just a one-time thing. There's no way that's going to happen again. Sure. I go to do it again. It happens again. <laughs> Freezes. <laughs> I, everything crashes. I restarted again. The thing that I tried to record is gone. And I'm like, what the fuck? So then I, I text him. And I'm like, Esau, what's your mom's name? He's like, oh, well, you, you know... Uh, you could call her Mrs. Andrews or you could call her Haruko either way. It's like, okay. So then I open a fresh session and then I just start recording and I'm like, hi, Mrs. Andrews, Haruko. If this is you, I wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you for this little wink. I wanted to thank you for your presence. I hope your experience right now, whatever that is, is wonderful. I hope you're doing well. I wanted to let you know that I love your son. I really appreciate him. And I'm just really grateful for whatever this was, whatever this little hello was from you. Thank you for that. Record, save, import, drag in. It lets me do it. Yeah. Wow. Weird. <laughs> well, Nothing tell has you. happened since. <sighs> Nothing has happened on this computer since. It hasn't happened not even once. Well, you know, it's how you handled it, right? I mean, I don't know if you have been informed about this before, but the sort of most trained uh, adept ghost investigators use that same exact technique to help basically go on with their own normal lives after leaving haunted locations. And it's something that I've actually personally used as well. I was in New Orleans at one point in time you know, and every single building is haunted in New Orleans, like to the point where the realtors will post up signs saying, this one's not haunted, actually, because everywhere else is. And, you know, I found myself in bed uh, with something shaking me in the, in the morning, in the deep hours of the morning. And uh, me having to make this decision that I was going to set up and kind of verbalize just exactly what you did to try to calm whatever is happening, whatever is manifesting to try to see if I can continue in consensus reality because people need to sleep, right? <laughs> and people need to edit podcasts and record things. So yeah, very sophisticated and heartfelt and empathetic move from you there, my friend. It felt like it was actually such a gift because it it truly gave me another puzzle piece for the puzzle for myself mm -hmm. because when I started really visualizing, okay, like I, I was visualizing the blackout at, when she passed. I was visualizing the blackout at the museum during Esau's sort of moment, right? And then visualizing perhaps this suspended state 
of the energy of her spirit, you know, kind of staying in this moment of time in which we were discussing her on the podcast and perhaps her feeling like she hadn't gotten her moment, you know, and perhaps maybe that's what that was in that moment where Isa was shining at the museum and she was like blackout. Nope. You know, yeah. Um, You know, whether or not that's right or not, what I would say is that I felt, I felt this sense from that experience, from this difficulty to kind of get through that recording of a desire to be heard, a desire to be seen, a desire to be remembered, a desire that was echoing in this moment of time that continued into the digital sphere. And the thing that really is beautiful about it and almost sort of um, cinematic, if you will, is that communication and love can be the thing that settles it. And that to me was really informative, but it was also extremely heartening. And, and when I told Esau about that and Esau is very similar, I would say he's even less of a believer than I am. And, but he's open to it. Right. And when I, and when I told him about it and, and we had a couple kind of text exchanges about it, he was like, I was just, I, I, he was like, sorry, sorry, my mom was breaking your computer. And I was like, no, it's totally fine. It's really, really cool. He's like, it is cool. He's like, I was just talking to Claire about how really cool this is that that happened. And I could tell that it was like, it gave him something too. So the whole thing was just this really beautiful, but sort of like, whoa, holy shit kind of experience. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, man. That's really powerful. I mean, a lot of times when I'm on other podcasts, I'll be asked, um, how do you know what people are telling you is truth? And to me, sometimes it doesn't matter as much as what is the truth of the emotion behind it Mm -hmm. and what are people actually getting from these experiences. And I think that is a, that's sort of proof of that, the power that's in those, you know, potential communications, whether that's what they are or not, that feeling is real. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, Colin, for uh, the folks that are over here from the Euphemet Patreon where can they find all of your work? Oh, you can, uh, you know, I'll just type it in for you right here. Yeah, there we go. Um, and uh, I'm going to put it in the chat. This is... Um, well, while you're typing, saying it out loud, because this will be on my main <laughs> podcast feed too. Right. Uh, ColinFrangicetto.com. Uh, 1L, C-O-L-I-N. F-R-A-N-G-I-C-E-T-T-O.com. Um, and then if you go to my Instagram, which is at Colin Circa, there's a link tree in my bio with like all my shit. Um, you know, a link to my Patreon, a link to whatever I do. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's always nice to hear from people. So if you want to shoot me an email or something, uh, send me a, a DM. I like to meet people and make new friends. Yeah. You're very approachable and uh, you have a big heart and you like to share it with folks. And that's what I love about you, my friend. Love you. So glad we've become friends. And uh, I'm so glad that I've become friends with all of you. This is so cool. This was a, an experiment that I think went really well. Um, This has been so much fun. Colin, thank you. 
Thanks, Jim. Thanks, yep. everyone. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace and love. Take care. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to this edition of Night Drift, presented by Euphemed. Thank you to our guest, Colin Frangicetto. For more of his work, find links in the show notes. And thank you as well to our sponsors, Spotify and Anchor. To be a part of our next live interview, join us on Patreon. It's $5 per month and includes access to Euphemet, the original series, and much more. For everything Euphemet, including how you can subscribe to the show, merch, links to our social media, visit euphemet.com. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Perry. And until next time, keep looking up. Follow Euphemet on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. 